0: Hi. Welcome to the I Am Lake Worth podcast. I'm Carl Stobland. I'm your host and I'm also the photographer that started this whole project. Today's interview will be with Caitlin Richardson. Caitlin is a resident of Lake Worth so she falls into the category of lives, works, and plays here and she is a professional violinist so we'll be talking a little bit about that. Welcome to the podcast Caitlin.
1: Thanks so much. Glad to be here.
0: Well, we're glad to have you. You're a neighbor of mine. You're really just around the corner from us here in good old L Street. That's right. So we're Eden Place neighbors as well as Lake Worth neighbors. I start out the podcast the same with everybody. I ask them the question that is part of the photo on the project, and that's uh, Lake Worth is special because, dot, 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 and then you fill in the <laughs> blanks.
1: All right. Well, for me, I feel like Lake Worth is special because. It's just so comfortable to fit in here. We, my family and I, um, moved here. We lived in Boca for a long time. And when we came to Lake Worth, honestly, we pretty much felt settled. We felt like home immediately. Um, And I guess that's a combination of the people, the neighbors. We love our neighborhood. The kind of atmosphere. It's a beach town, but, you know, it's nothing to... Opulent. It's fairly relaxed. Mm-hmm. We really enjoy that. And then as we stayed here and then eventually bought a house here, we've just continued to be super comfortable. We find that the city is, um, it's not like you're a cog in the machine. You're, you have access to everything. We've spoken to the mayor about things. We have access to everything that's going on. and We feel really involved and included. So there's an inclusive nature to Lake Worth, I feel comfortable.
0: And that echoes exactly my experience here when Wendy and I came here. Um, Literally, I saw the town first and from day one was like, this is it. I like this place. (laughs) And you're right about the access, which Mm -hmm. is really, really cool that... You know, you can be as involved or as uninvolved as you want here and you can roll up your sleeves and just jump right in and there are so many things to work on, which is really, really kind of cool. Right. So we definitely have the same thing and I think that uh, in Mary Lindsay's interview, she mentioned that there's like this dog whistle effect and if you can hear it, you get Lake Worth and yeah. if you don't, you just, you know, you go to Del Rey, so.
1: Yeah, and could if, be.
0: If you don't hear it, then please, by all means, go to Del <laughs> I like that. So that's uh, I know lately political connotations about dog whistles haven't been yeah all that popular. But in this case, I like the reference. hmm Um, so it's really very similar experience. Now you've been here since what you said 2013.
1: Yeah, we came here. Um, my husband and I went to school in Boca. Um, previously to that, for the, since 2005, um, we were at school down there at the Conservatory of Music at Lean University. And then we came up here and just started working. We were renting a place, fell in love, and then were eventually able to buy a house a year and a half later. And yeah, we've loved it ever since.
0: Oh, that's terrific. We uh, we found very very similar experience that we Wendy came. We came here because Wendy got a job offer, and the job was in Palm Beach, but literally Lake Worth just called to us. Mm-hmm. And- um, for us, it was very quick. It was the accept the job, sell the house, buy a house, and move in, and that all happened in, like, two months.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it
0: was a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we came here and found a city that welcomed us with open arms, and we haven't looked back. We really love the life here. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what it's what it's like being a professional musician down here? Now, we were talking offline before, and you were saying that um, you're not – in any one particular symphony, so you you contract work, so, you know, you're coming into your season now, right? So how's how's that? How busy is it?
1: Well, I'm a freelance musician, I call myself, so I'm a professional violinist, so I'm not beholden to any one group, it's kind of contracted as the season goes, so right now I have a good idea of what my season's going to look like. And the season length is usually, you know, typical Florida season. It starts in September and it ends, you know, May, beginning of June, around there. And I play in a lot of the local orchestras. I play in um, the Palm Beach Opera, Symphony of America, South Florida Symphony. Um, and then I go as far north as like Melbourne. I play in the Space Coast Symphony and down to Miami. So it's pretty much the whole East Coast, occasionally over to Fort Myers. So it's pretty much, um, there's a lot of traveling. (laughs) So, yeah, so a lot of my season is spent in the car. But um, I would say that what it's like is, it's pretty much, my job is a patchwork quilt. You pretty much just sew together job, then Mm -hmm. the next gig, then the next gig, and you sew it together until you've made something that makes sense, you know, something that fits together and is doable, and then as soon as, you know, June hits, it's all over. (laughs) It's pretty much Uh, dead air. No concerts. Down
0: here, it's a life in the arts. It's, you know, um, whether it's music or, by the way, I am green with envy over Mm -hmm. your ability to be able to play you were, you were playing a little bit as I was taking your pictures earlier, and just the sound of the violin always blows me away. I was so happy to hear it, and i very de- very definitely a little bit jealous because I have a tin ear. <laughs> I, as a kid, I had several blown eardrums oh, and had like a 60% hearing loss when I was wow. very little. Mm-hmm. Now, that's been corrected, but... Mm-hmm. From, let's say, birth to five, I couldn't Ew. hear well. So that meant years of speech therapy, yeah. and when it came time to pick an instrument for the band, they were like, how do you feel about the cymbals?
1: No, oh, yeah. Turned mm-hmm. out,
0: I have no timing either, so they didn't like me for that. <laughs> um, but who knows, maybe someday I'll pick up a trumpet again and try it.
1: It is never too late for music, let me tell you. It's super enriching do it.
0: (laughs) I I pluck away at a mandolin or two of them that I have here, but it's better if nobody hears me. But I do really enjoy playing. Good. And I love bluegrass music, so maybe someday I'll actually be able to get through a whole song. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it was, uh, I'm very, as much as I have been enriched with the visual stuff, I've always got this little bit of envy for the musical side. My brother, Mm -hmm. who's two years younger than I and didn't have any ear problems, you put him in a room and Thirty minutes later, he can write a song on the instrument. Awesome. He's playing. So I don't he's know. One I think that's. Guys.
1: I think that's like a common thing. For example, I'm a professional musician, but I still have an itch to play. For example, uh, drum set. I. Every time I see somebody playing a drum set, it's calling to me. Same thing with piano. I can, you know, pluck out tunes and Mm -hmm. read music and everything, but, you know, I'm not a professional pianist. And there's just something about music that, like, it calls to you. You see an instrument, you see somebody playing, it's so active, and I don't know, you just get into it. I feel like it's almost everybody has some kind of, uh, you know, attraction to playing an instrument in some way.
0: And then you find out how much work it is.
1: Yeah, well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember I was about six, and um, I had, you know, I told my dad I wanted drums, my birthday was coming up, and I, you were right, I was drawn to the drums, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was the Beatles had just broken up, and I remember Ringo Starr and all that. And my dad came home with a pair of drumsticks and a practice pad from Sam Goody Mm -hmm. and said, when you get good on that, we'll talk about the drums. Well, mm-hmm. I never got to the drums. <laughs> but uh, maybe the world is better off without me doing all the music and me focusing on my photography. Uh, yeah. So uh, you were talking about having to you know, piece together your season,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's got to be interesting, having to work with um, different conductors each time you're going into a new symphony, and... Um, you know, it's not the advantage of working o- over time with the same group. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you how do, you do that? And I know the music guides you, but mm-hmm. I always think about, um, you know, that I imagine when I work with people, I get more comfortable with them over time. And when you're coming in and have to do this for maybe one, two, three, four events and then move on to the next thing... How do you do that? How do you get your mind ready to, you know, accept this new person's direction and how to do that and work around? Because that's got to be pretty tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. It's I think it's a particular personality. For example, I'm absolutely drawn to the freelance lifestyle. I love seeing new people. You know, each week usually our concert series go in about a week, you rehearse for a week and you have two or three concerts, or maybe you rehearse for two weeks and have a month of concerts, depending. So, first of all, I'm drawn to that. I want to see new people every day, I want to be in a new venue, and that excites me. Now, there is something to be said for, for example, if you're in a professional orchestra in a large city, you get to work with the same conductor, you know, week in, week out, and you can go really deeply into the music. You learn everything about that person and how to communicate through music with them. Um, And there's something really, a connection that you build. Now, you don't get that in this kind of lifestyle because it is a mad dash. It's, you know, it could be something like four or five rehearsals in a week and that with, you know, a conductor you potentially just met and, you know, it's a group and everything and then, you know, you have concerts that week. So what happens is you pretty much have to fall in line. You have to be a professional. You have to know that when you play in an orchestra, it is not about you. It's really not about your personal expression. It's about how much can you give To somebody's vision and you really have to give everything you have or it doesn't work so the tricky part is like you pointed out you have to pretty much give yourself up to whoever's on the podium so whoever your conductor or director that week is it's pretty much the creative direction of everything that happens is in their hands and they can only really use your musicianship if you give a hundred percent if you're reserved and you feel like you're not going to put yourself into this. It doesn't work as well. And then there's lots of tension. There's lots of things that come up, um, but it is tricky. You have to realize that what you put into the group is for the greater good. I play in, you know, a violin section, and let's say I play in second violins one week. It's a group of 12 violinists among a group of, you know, another 12 first violinists. And then there's the rest of the strings. And it's, you know, up to 75 string players. You can't have an attitude, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: no, I would imagine you, you have,
1: have to fall in line.
0: It's just, it's, it. I guess I'm struggling with the idea of, you know, being that hired gun and coming in and sitting down <laughs> and just having to get up to speed and be right there right away. I mean, that's really kind of amazing. I, I always imagined, you know, the, the professional musician orchestra player finding one orchestra and playing, you know... Moving up through the chairs, and but mm-hmm. always being in that same place. But even that person, I guess, if I think about it, you know, when it comes time to make the money for the city orchestras, they're always bringing in hotshot guest conductors anyway. Oh, yeah. So you're always mm-hmm. you're always faced with having to learn from somebody new or work with somebody new anyway. That's
1: true. And different soloists come every week, and yeah, I mean, it's just how flexible you can sure. be in your artistry, and you know how trusting you can be. Not every person you come up to is going to be the greatest talented conductor and you know it might not be the most fulfilling music that week but the great thing about freelance work is it will be somebody different next week so right. you get you get to just move through it
0: uh, I, i'm i'm listening to this and i'm really realizing just how similar it is to the life that i have of a freelance photographer yeah. it's you know one art director wants something one way, the next week, you know, you think you've got everything you need for the shoot, and it turns out to be something completely different. Right. And you just have to think on your feet and do what you have to, and your people skills come in more often than you would think. You know, mm-hmm. lots of people think they become photographers because they get behind the camera and don't have to <laughs> talk to people. And if you're going to be successful, the first thing you have to do is engage with people anyway.
1: Right. And you have to switch gears a lot. For example, it's so different to play in a symphony orchestra on the stage Versus next week, you're playing an opera, and you're down in the pit. And then the week after, you're playing a musical. This is something I've started to do in the past recent two or three years. Um, So, for example, last season, I was playing Phantom of the Opera for two weeks when it was at Kravis. And that is such a specific job, such a specific skill set that is really different to what I've been used to. You need to memorize your whole part basically you have to know the lines on the stage that are going to cue your entrance and the music is not difficult technically to play but you better be able to play it the exact same way on every take and every take is live so it's you know though it's not the most difficult technically there's something really special about that and something super excited exciting like I've never been so engaged for an entire week you know two weeks as when I was doing that run it's it was a really different experience for me.
0: Uh, that's that's really cool, and uh, I hadn't realized the nuances of you know the length of the gig and the type of work. And you're you're right about the timing, and that's really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with? I have a favorite album, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Are you familiar with the Goat Rodeo Sessions? Mm-mm, no. Okay, so uh, that was Chris Thile, who is the guy who does. Um, Prairie Home Companion, now that Garrison Keillor retired. Mm -hmm. And he basically wrote, along with a couple of other guys, this piece or this album for mandolin, uh, double bass, fiddle, and cello. Mm -hmm. And so the three guys kind of went off and created it and wrote it as they were creating it. The cello was Yo-Yo Ma, who wow. flew in at the last minute and <laughs> sat with them for a couple of days and they put this piece of music together and yeah. they went out on the road with it. And I was like, the bonds that happened so quickly and watching the videos of them practicing and playing was even more pleasurable than just listening to the music because mm-hmm. it was that whole coming together and being part of, a, part of a group that was working for this one goal and then moving on and doing the next thing. It was really kind of nifty. If you get a chance, check it out. It's a really cool piece of music. I definitely will.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that experience. For example, I have a string quartet that I play in and we play concerts, you know, when we get concerts throughout the East Coast. And it's just, it's such a nice break from larger groups because there's no conductor. We're directing ourselves. It's for, you know, two violins, a viola and a cello. We're Stratus Four string quartet. And that is the time when you really get to engage your musicianship because you're totally in charge of the direction. And it's funny that you mentioned that you got more out of, you know, kind of watching them rehearse and put the group together because that's what I enjoy absolutely the most. And we that started, dynamic
0: is really kind yeah. of amazing to watch it build up. And right. One of the guys in the group actually doesn't read music. Cool. So he was learning it by rote. Mm-hmm. The the bass player was actually playing the cello parts up high mm-hmm. before Yo-Yo got there. Mm-hmm. And so he's developing his piece without writing it and they were showing actually his scribbled down scratchings of notes for, you know, where he comes in and what he plays, versus, you know, guys who live and breathe by the sheet of music. So that yes. was really kind of fascinating that yeah. you can get to that professional level and not be, you know, everyone thinks oh you gotta know sheet music. Mm-hmm. And well, a lot of times you do. Here's a guy who's made a whole career and doesn't read music and plays by ear. And I thought, right. you know, that's that's so similar again. I'm coming back to the photography because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a technically proficient photographer. I started working in labs when I was a kid, worked with my dad and his lab in the city. And uh, When I say the city, I mean New York. Um, and I learned early on that you can make a great print, very easily from a well-exposed negative. It was okay. just common sense. Mm-hmm. So I became a very technical photographer. Mm-hmm. Before I learned how to photograph people and put them at ease, I knew how to make a really good shot. And that's helped me along the way. But there are guys who, even Annie Leibovitz, she trusts her assistants to figure out all the settings. And wow. Mm-hmm. She just walks in at the last minute and You know, the set's already done, the lighting has already been figured out and she just engages with the subject and Mm -hmm. boom, on to the next thing. So, you know, there's everyone's got a different approach and a different way into internalise this stuff, which is really what you have to do in order to make this piece of art, whether it's sound or something pretty or whatever it is, it's that process of how do you get to it? Which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I think and I think that's like something where kind of entertainment and Things are going. It's kind of people want to see how the cake is made. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? They want, that's almost like the most interesting part about it. That's why with our string quartet, we started doing house concerts because the environment, meaning like a host wants to have you, we come and play a, a short concert in your living room. And that way, you get to explain about the pieces you're playing. People ask questions. You can talk about how you rehearse. It's so much more casual. There's something about classical music that's a little bit, and all the classical arts that's a little bit standoffish. Yeah, there's you know? a little
0: barrier. It's yeah, it's almost like it's super I'm here. formal. You know?
1: Yeah, you're on the stage. You do what you do, um, hopefully well, and you leave. The audience claps, and you leave, and the interaction is you know, it's, sometimes you're done with a concert and you don't, you may have a feeling of artistic satisfaction, but there's like a little bit of something missing. There's a disconnect. And that's why, you know, playing for people in their living room has turned out to be super satisfying. Like we get to talk about how the music got to this point. People tell us their experiences. And I feel like everybody always has a story of somebody who played an instrument in their life, or when they did, and what it meant to them. And music is so universal in that way. And you know, it ends up being mm, very satisfying. And not to mention the fact that, for example, our string quartet—it's all small acoustic string instruments. It was—they were really made, you know, 500 years ago. They were designed to be played in small environments.
0: Right. They're in not a parlor for or. These
1: giant. Yeah you know, huge halls and everything that has to be mic'd and this and that, you lose something. When you're sitting a foot away from a violin, like when I was playing today, you feel the vibration. You can hear it. You can, you know, hear the musicians breathing. It's a totally different experience. And it's really more, you know, I feel like what the It's
0: personal. It design, brings the, the viewer, yeah. the listener into mm-hmm. the piece of music.
1: Yeah, and it's more true to how the instruments were made, you know. It's, they were supposed to be, like you said, in a parlor or in a salon or, you know, just people a few feet away from you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I was just, you were talking about the uh, finishing the, the gig and being, okay, maybe I'm satisfied, maybe I'm not <laughs> now. I relate this to, you know... Uh, the jazz guys who they'll finish their set and they end up at the club down the street playing for free for another four hours because <laughs> they still got stuff to say with their hands and yeah. their music. So that's you know that's that's true. And being in a small environment, you know, it allows some give and take and mm-hmm. some some organic thing to happen. And you never know; you probably create new fans of classical music that way.
1: I would hope so. Yeah. You know,
0: you take down some of those barriers. You know, it's right. a lot of that, and some of it is you know. Realizing that it's can be done by real people, you know. That's that's the mm-hmm. thing is that we always think of classical musicians and they're living this, you know, <laughs> life in a little cell, just waiting for their chance to practice and play in front of the audience again. Mm-hmm. And they go back and they're in their little cell. You know, it's yeah. it's good to to break that mold. And the internet's done that in so many ways too, because people, you know, I find myself watching. As a painter, I watch people doing these time-lapse paintings, and I can't look Love away that. from them. Yeah, you know, it's like all of a sudden a watercolor just emerges in front of you in thirty mm-hmm. seconds. Now okay. I know that that took eight or ten hours of work <laughs> right. to do, but it's really satisfying to watch it happen and think, oh well, if if you can do that, then you know why not try it? And it's got to be why so many more people are actually trying to to learn painting, the popularity of sip and paint and that sort of thing. Oh
1: yeah yeah exactly, is,
0: you know it's got guardrails, you know mm-hmm. there's a plan for how you're going to do that, and you're among friends so that's that's a but it's a good way to push some paint around and get comfortable with it and who knows you know next thing you know five years later you're an artist, not an accountant, and yeah. you're doing what you always wanted to
1: do <laughs> yeah,
0: so that's kind of neat stuff so let's let's fast forward a little bit to the season's over mm-hmm. and you're in lake worth and you know what's the first the week that you're First week that you're like totally not booked, what are the things you want to do in town? What do you want to do? What do you want to see?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, Just to go out to coffee with my husband because he's also a freelance musician. So during the season, we're just like two ships 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 in a night. We're passing each other. You know, sometimes we'll just call each other on the road because we haven't seen each other. So just to go downtown, just to walk around Mm -hmm. leisurely, go to a coffee shop. But in the off-season, our favorite Lake Worth activity is fixing up our house.
0: <laughs> this, so That bug gets caught by a lot of people. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And, like, we've really gotten into it. My husband likes to do a lot of work himself. Um, that's another thing with Lake Worth. Um, you know, people get intimidated. Oh, you have to pull permits for everything. And, yes, you do. But the building department is so nice. We've had so much luck. If you don't know the process, how to get something done, just go down there. And they will tell you everything you need to do, what forms you need to fill out, and you're on your way. And so that's pretty much what we do in the off-season. We've done some intense renovation. We've redid our roof Mm -hmm. by ourselves. We're putting in hurricane impact windows by ourselves. We put in doors. I mean, that is our, like, fun activity. And honestly, it's fun because it draws in all the neighbors. We have, you know, people come over all the time and check out what we're doing. I don't know. It's kind of...
0: At the end of the day, you've, you've made your place, your little nest in the world, a little bit more the yeah. way you want it, which is, you know, super cool. And I have to say that I've had the exact same experience with the city. Um, Wendy and I and my mom and bought a house across the street from us just recently. In fact, we closed on it less than a week ago. And the day of the closing, I went to Lake Worth Utilities and said, you know, I'd like to keep the power on and not have it turned off and then have to redo the service. Mm-hmm. And they told me what I needed. I brought it in. Boom, boom, boom. It was all done. There was no, you know, every time you read something on Facebook, you think, oh, my God, the world's coming apart. <laughs> and, you know, the code people are out to get me. Oh, and it's my just gosh, not that no. Tr- it's just not
1: true. No, they would much rather, like, help you do it right from the beginning than have to come and correct something. Sure. Like that's all the inspectors say that they're like just call us out if you're not sure call us out for another inspection we will tell you you know if you're doing everything right or not they would much and rather help you get there the than new correct house, you
0: we did, we had the backyard completely cleaned up because it was while it's beautiful it was completely overgrown so mm-hmm. we did that over the weekend and the next thing we realized that hmm. We probably have to replace this fence sooner than we thought we were going to have to. So that's going to be a call is, you know, can you tell us, you know, what we have to do to permit that? Because I don't want to have to go back and fix that after the fact.
1: Right, exactly.
0: You know, especially in a situation where we we might even be renting this house out a little bit. I don't want to have any, any reasons for any headaches. Mm -hmm. So I find with Lake Worth and anywhere in general, ask the question first, find out what you need and do it. And... I've had very good experiences, and it sounds like you have too.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So your season, te- your your musical season, definitely overlaps with the the season here in Florida. So mm-hmm. have you had the chance to take ad- advantage of any of our Leakworth parades, or do you not get to go to any of those?
1: Um, it's so <laughs> it's funny that you mention it because I tag and like everything that the city does on Facebook and their social media. And it is during my busy season, so I look into the events. I try to get my grandparents to take, or my parents to take my son to them and everything, but as far as getting to them, it's almost never. (laughs) 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 Almost never. Um, We do like the street painting one. We do get to that one almost every year.
0: That's really pretty amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I've only seen it for two years now, but I mean, it's a... I cannot believe the number of people that are here in this city and the talent of the work that gets done. But not only that, but that it is temporary work. And on Monday, you know, or the next rain, or when the street sweepers come through, it's going away again. You know, its I I always tend to find myself downtown the Monday after, early in the morning, and, and seeing the effects of it start to go away. And it makes me a little sad, but at the same time, You know, it's such a vibrant thing that brings so many people here to the city and Mm -hmm. really embellishes and shows off the city in in the best possible light. Right. And uh, as an artist, I love seeing the work. I tend to go very early in the morning when Mm -hmm. they're setting up, and also it's less hot, so I'll photograph early in the morning for both days, and Mm -hmm. then I kind of back away from it, and maybe I'll go back down again in the evening. So that's, that's certainly one of our favorite ones. How about the, the boat race? Have you ever been able to get to that?
1: Um, I've never seen it. I've seen our pictures of our Eden Place, the raft race. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen pictures of our Eden Place raft. It's amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, there's something about those events that's so much fun. The street painting, I love temporary art, like you were saying. I love something that's there, and you either have to pretty much see it when it's happening, and then it's gone. I love that about music, Mm -hmm. that it's fleeting, you know, you play, you make a mistake, oh my gosh, you have a heart attack for a split second, but then it is absolutely gone, unless you're recording it, unless you're, you know, somehow archiving that moment, but in general, it's passing. And I love art like that. Um, That's why I love getting down to that street painting. Um, I had the same feeling that it's temporary, you should be there to see it, and then, you know. It dissipates. It runs down the street when it rains.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and it's, it's so amazing to see all that work go into that and how many volunteers are involved and oh yeah, the sheer number of people that are there in the afternoons, which may be why I tend to go very early, is that the, the crowds get so big that it's, like you know, there's 100,000 people in downtown Lake Worth for that weekend. That's yeah. really kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanna point out that you find as a treasure or something that is surprising about Lake Worth that other people might not know that aren't from here?
1: Being a relatively new mom, my son is only three. I'm constantly looking for um, things where my husband and I can go out, but he can also come. I don't like you know, having to leave him at home sure. all the time with grandparents or whatever, um, so, For example, down at the golf course, the public golf course in Lake Worth, on Friday nights they have their family night, which is where you can hang out in that little cabana area, but the kids have all kinds of activities. There's a bounce house, there's a balloon artist, the kids are out on the green uh, playing soccer, and it's one of the few places where you can go and have a nice time as an adult. You know, I can sit and chat with my husband, but my son can be there and be a part of it and be totally occupied, so that is a that in our free time, that's been one of our favorite activities, those Friday nights.
0: That's really pretty cool. That kind of harkens back to my childhood of our neighborhoods where, you know, the parents would get together and the kids would scatter and run about, but, you know, there was always enough adult supervision yeah. that you could still have a good time. <laughs> so that's kind of a neat thing, and I'm glad that we do that. Yeah. That's really pretty neat. Now, you said something a couple of times that made me think, have, are you Florida born and raised?
1: No, originally I'm from Michigan. Oh, Michigan, okay. Yeah.
0: Because you did what native Floridians do, which is refer to the East Coast and the West Coast of Florida, but just saying East Coast and West Coast. Uh, As a New Yorker, I still hear East Coast and West Coast, and I think, if <laughs> somebody says West Coast, I go, California? okay, No, yeah. <laughs> Fort Myers. It's a, yes, i am settled in. <laughs> I'm still getting used to that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm originally from Michigan. Um, I was going up to visit a lot, you know, back when I was in school, my parents were still up there, but man, I, we're totally settled in here. I don't miss the snow. I don't miss the cold. I don't miss scraping ice off my car. We're, we're pretty much, I feel like a native Floridian at this point. (laughs) Two years in
0: and I feel the same way. I mean, as, as hot as the summers can get here, um, Realistically, I couldn't survive the winter in New York again. I'm, I'm not programmed <sighs> yeah. for it anymore. Mm-mm. I like, I have worn sandals and shorts for about 800 <laughs> days, and I don't plan on changing anything about that.
1: Right, Florida like dress code is like, open toes is always fine. <laughs> it's pretty and much. It, it took
0: me a little while to get used to that. That I wasn't, you know, being a slob everywhere I went. You know, there's <laughs> you still put decent stuff on yeah but you are definitely dressing for the elements oh yeah and even in workwear and you know people work in air-conditioned offices they have a whole different outlook on life that's true but um yeah i i found it that i definitely feel like i settled in pretty quickly although i was pretty uncomfortable my first summer i was like i felt like i sweated for about Four solid months.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you go out to get the mail and you need a shower. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I find now that, you know, I get out in the morning, I go out and do things, and I come back and I'm like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. So I guess I've acclimated a little bit. Mm -hmm. It just takes a little time.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll start, you're going to start to fit in even more. You're going to find yourself having whole, like, linen outfits and sun hats and.
0: Well, let me tell you something, I'm, I'm going to announce this here on the podcast, because when this guy loses a little weight, I am going to go full-on Palm Beach with every sherbert colored yes. shirt and white belt and shoes. I don't oh, care. Yes. I'm going to go completely native, um, <laughs> and that'll be a sight to behold. Um, how about, um, so during the season, do your husband and you get the chance to play together in any of your bookings, or... Do they not overlap at all?
1: Um, they do. He's a clarinetist. I'm a violinist. Um, Woodwinds versus
0: strings. Yeah, The right? Jets and the Sharks.
1: <laughs> we do get to play in a lot of the same groups, which is great because then we're driving together, saving on gas, um, and we get to see each other and everything like that. But um, it's a harder grind for a clarinetist because there are fewer spots in the orchestra for a clarinet player. For example, there's only two spots typically. And so for violins, there's, you know, 20, 25, 30. And so I get called for a lot of stuff, but the things he plays for are way more narrow and kind of set in stone. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, a couple groups we play in every year that are the same But then after that, it's just we're in really different stuff. And, you know, violins are in demand for other things like weddings, um, parties, things like that. Not every party is calling for a clarinetist. (laughs) Right. So Unless um, he wants to do klezmer work and start doing the bar mitzvah Yeah, he's from Macedonia, so he does do a lot of Eastern European music, including um, he does a lot of klezmer playing and things like that. But, yeah it's a little easier to make your way as a violinist, a little more in demand. <laughs> that,
0: that's interesting. It's like, yeah. you know, when you're, you're growing up, and I remember telling my parents I was going to study art history, and like, oh, God, please <laughs> pick something a little less specific than mm-hmm. that, you know. Um, in the end art studio was just as much fun. Um,
1: yeah, you end up sewing together a season, like, for between the both of us, between the orchestras that we play in, he teaches, he's a professor down at FAU, teaches clarinet, um, private students. If you contract any work, at the end of the day, it somehow works out. It's not for everybody because you, there is some percentage of uncertainty in your income and in your lifestyle, where you're going to be. So it's not for everybody, but... Well, the, the
0: trade-off of that is yeah, the freedom. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I'm at home during the day sometimes, which I really love. I get to see my son... Um, and so the trade-off with the uncertainty is if you're okay living like that, which we are, then it's fine. And I've met a lot of people in Lake Worth who have the same kind of patchwork lifestyle. Yeah, there are a lot it's, of us here. Exactly. That's actually true. Yeah, so I don't know. Lake Worth's pretty accommodating for that, and I've met a lot of people who are kind of in the same vein. They just put their life together from a bunch of different sources, and somehow it works.
0: Yeah, I've met a lot of people who are... Um, Realtor slash yoga instructor right. slash bartender, <laughs> you know, and whatever it takes to yeah. have enough to provide for living in this place that is really amazing and has such amazing, beautiful, natural beauty that I'm really just starting to tap into with my photography. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize when I moved from New York just how much natural beauty there was to Florida. I thought mm-hmm. flat. I thought you know, there's there's it Lake Worth was built in the 1900s, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of history, but I was totally wrong about that, and I really love getting out into the Everglades, and the Everglades for folks that don't know and think, oh yeah, it's the very bottom tip of the state, really the Everglades go all the way up past Palm Beach County, Mm -hmm. and you know, everywhere you look you can find a cypress swamp, and you'll usually find me with my pants rolled up and a camera and a tripod in the middle of the swamp with somebody near me keeping an eye out for alligators, of course. Right because they're no fun.
1: No, it's funny that you mentioned the your perception of Florida because as a musician, the perception of Florida, okay, it's not a cultural hub down here. It's not New York. It's not Chicago. There's no centralized symphony. However, once you live here long enough and you look into it, my goodness, there's really thriving artistic scene, especially in Lake Worth here. That's something I was really surprised to come across. J Street is turning into um, like... Music cool. alley. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. And the record shop and there's a studio for teaching there and there is a lot of stuff. And so really culturally where you are, it is what you make of it. So that's what I... Ugh, the attitude I hope to have, I want to create something like, yes, maybe there's not the Florida Philharmonic anymore, the Florida Simiti, Um but there is so many smaller groups, so many specialized in these things happening that it is really cool and it is very rich culturally when you get down to it. There's a lot of art happening here.
0: There really is. And the other thing I found is that it's the same thing with um, the culture and art as well as politics and community service. Everything here is grassroots. You know, it's Mm -hmm. somebody sees a need and whether they decide that they can use that to make an economic thing out of it or they just want to make their mark in a certain way or they just want to do something. A lot of these things, we have room and freedom to, you know, start, like with the I Am Like Worth project, I just started shooting and didn't really know what it was going to be. And then with a little bit of support and a lot of people wanted to be in it it just kind of snowballed into this thing that's now a podcast and we're thinking about maybe making a movie of the making of and mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy things i never could have imagined when i started but that's because lake worth is really an incubator for creativity mm-hmm. it's and it, it's again it comes back to the dog whistle when you hear it and you get you know the funky vibe and yeah, sometimes it's a little rundown in areas, but, mm-hmm. you know, the heart and soul of the city is the people who come here and make it what it is.
1: Right. And not to mention the institutions and the local government is totally behind that mission. The CRA is amazing. The artist lofts are incredible. Like, what a great concept, you know, trying to bring in artists to live and work in an affordable place. And, you know, that's kind of incredible. it you know revitalizing parts of town that you know weren't as built up and now you know it's it's becoming more open there and i don't know i think it's going in a great direction
0: i do too only two years here i've seen a lot of positive things and i'm very excited for what the future is going to bring mm-hmm. so with that i would like to say thank you caitlin for a very interesting interview and we spent a lot of time on music which i hadn't thought we were going to do but <laughs> it was a very interesting conversation i'm glad we got the chance to sit down
1: All right, well, thank you so much for having me. Sure, thanks.